0: Are you glad to be in church tonight I'm glad to be here tonight you know um, I just couldn't get away from this message you know I all week I was just seeking the Lord about what he'd have for me to minister here and um, you know seeking the Lord in the midst of my day, right? We can do that. We all have, uh, none of us in this room are full-time ministers who get to study the Word as your job. (laughs) So all of us, you know, I, in some ways Um, am a good example in that, that you can follow God when you do have to go to work, when you do have to be a mom, when you do have to do the things of daily life, you know, you do have to do the grocery shopping or someone's doing the laundry, but God will deal with your hearts and speak to you throughout your day, throughout your life. He wants us to walk with him. So we're on this earth, and inevitably, there's going to be things we have to accomplish. But God wants us to accomplish those in his presence, walking with him every step of the way. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. Tonight, we're going to talk about faith. I'm excited for that because faith is very important. (laughs) Amen? So I don't have some, like, catchy title. It's just faith is. Faith is. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to turn first to Romans chapter 1. I know, and I, I think I can get away with not wearing my glasses because I made 20 font tonight. Um, you know, I tell on myself. I said, "Azra, do I look old with these?" And she said, she just smiled. <laughs> I said, "Okay, I get the picture." <laughs> anyway, all right, Romans 1:16. It says, and through 17, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So we see here in the scripture, we know according to the Bible that through the blood of Jesus, through accepting and believing on Jesus as our Lord, we have been made the righteousness of God. So we, this is talking about us, when it says, the righteous man shall live by faith, we're the righteous men and women who are supposed to live by faith so if the Bible here says we must live by faith that's pretty important like that's pretty powerful wording right that we must live by faith so it's pretty powerful it means we need to really look at faith and understand faith for what the Bible says it is because if God told us that the righteous have to live by faith he's got to tell us what faith is so we understand how to live by it right And some people, you know, they equate faith to a currency. I don't see that in scripture. I really don't believe that faith is a currency. It's not some sort of money that you purchase things with. It's not spiritual money that you buy what you want with. That's not what faith is. Um, Faith is not a tool. You know, it's not like a hammer that I can get things done because I have this like tool in my back pocket. Faith is defined here in Hebrews 11.1. So let's go there. Yeah, you know, um, I think faith is really easy to understand if you look at the Bible properly, but uh, we can we can get twisted from things we've heard or maybe things, and it's just, uh, tonight I want to make it plain. Amen. I want to make faith plain according to Scripture, amen? All right, so Hebrews 11.1 1 says, <clears throat> Now faith is, all right, so here's now the definition because it's plain. Here's what faith is, Okay. It's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, some other translations might say other wording. Like, if you have a King James version, anybody in here read the King James version? It's okay if you do. Okay, so in your Bible, it probably says faith is the substance yeah. of things. So a lot of times we've heard that word, that terminology, and we put our you know 21st century um, spin on what that means. And I think well, substance means it's like an object, right? Or it's some sort of material. But what the real, you know, and the King James Version's amazing. Like what people went through to bring us that Bible is, is spectacular. You know, I mean, thank God that people went through that to get us, you know, those, um, that translation. But over time, over fighting more discoveries and archaeology, more discoveries and you know culture, all these things, we've seen what the original language means more. So it's not that the King James Version is wrong. It just doesn't make it as clear as what some of the modern translations do. And and when I say modern translation, it doesn't change the meaning of it. It actually helps us understand the meaning more. So when when we see now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, that's a much better, much more clear understanding of what faith actually is. Faith is assurance. Faith is conviction of things that maybe you don't even see yet. You just know that you know that you know that it's real. When you, I think we're all born-again believers in here, and uh, we've all probably said the prayer of salvation of some sort, and we've all come to the Father. Maybe people online haven't. But when you came to the Father through Jesus, did Jesus stand in front of you and show you the holes and show you, you know, did you, were you there to witness the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus? No. You believed and you had faith in Jesus through this conviction on the inside that you knew, that you knew, that you knew. You had total assurance. That's what faith is. is total assurance, conviction of things being true even if you didn't see them, even if you couldn't see them with your own eyes. So it's the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When I looked up that exact word, that literal word faith, um, just in my New Testament in my study tools, I found it 225 times written just as is in the New Testament. Just in the New Testament. That tells me that's important. 225 times. You know, some things people build whole doctrines on, and it's only in the Bible one time. But this is in the Bible 225 times in the New Testament, so I think that's an important word that we need to understand. So it's, and I said, you know, why is it in there so much? Well, duh, because it told the word told us we're supposed to live by it. So God wanted to make it really clear to us what faith really is. What what faith is, so we know how to live by it. So we're gonna just kind of take a look through some of these uses of that word faith. And we're just, just because I don't want you turning 500 times, we're gonna go to the book of Matthew, and we're gonna peruse the book of Matthew a little bit. And get some meaning of this word faith, so we understand it better. So we're going to look at Matthew 6 to begin with here. Yeah. And we'll see if I end up reading more than are in my notes. I have a lot of scripture today, but we'll see what we can get through. Part of that will depend on me and how much I get out, but part of it will depend on how hungry you are. You know, not getting bored by the word—that's that's important. Not to get bored by the word. All right. So, in Matthew six, Jesus is speaking about not being anxious, basically over everyday needs. You know, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, how you what, what clothes you're going to wear, how you're going to pay you know pay your bills, how you're going to function in life and have what you need. And Jesus is correcting this here. In Matthew 6.30 it says, But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So there's that word, faith, being used. And in context, what's he saying? He's saying, God takes care of everything. You don't see how the birds don't even think about it. They swoop in. They get the food that they need. They're beautifully dressed and taken care of. Like they're not worried about it. They just swoop in. They're supplied for. That's it. God wants you to feel the same way. I just i am flying. I'm soaring with God. And everything I need is just available to me. I I don't have to worry about my food. I don't have to worry about how I'm going to get my clothes. And he says, you have little faith. And what he's saying there is, you trust me too little. You, too, you trust me too little. He's not saying your faith hasn't grown to a place where you can, you know, believe for for this and this and this and this and this. No, he's saying you trust me too little. Just trust me. Look at the birds. They don't even think about it. They don't even have to wonder. They just trust me. They just trust that they're taken care of. Now, birds are not humans, but he's using that as an illustration because we can watch the birds. They just frolic. They dip in the little bird bath. They grab, you know, whatever food they They find, they perch on a tree. They don't even care if a squirrel's in that tree. They don't even think about it. They just live, and they live taken care of. And that's what God's saying here, and he's saying, because you worry about these things instead of just living, knowing you're taken care of, you have too little trust in me. You're not assured in me yet. You are of little faith. You are of little assurance and conviction of who I really am. All right, let's go to Matthew 8. So in Matthew 8, this is talking about the centurion, and we're going to start in verse 8, because I'm just kind of dropping in on some of these scriptures so we can understand what faith actually is. (coughs) See, I covered the microphone so I could (laughs) clear my throat there. All right, Matthew 8, verses 8 through 10. It says, But the centurion said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. So the centurion, he had a servant who was sick, almost unto death. He needed, he needed, this servant to be healed, and Jesus was like gonna he'd come and he'd help, but the centurion said, "Oh no, like I, you don't even have to come like, not that, oh, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy enough to have you help me. That's not what he was saying. He's just saying, like, you don't have to spend your time to come to my house and handle this in person. I believe you at your word, uh, which we're gonna see here. It wasn't him being like, Um, breaking himself down as not being worthy we have to be careful about things like that Uh, but it says for I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me and I say to this one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my slave do this and he does it oh God's talking about slavery no he's talking about his servant He's saying, the people under my command, I tell them what to do and they go do it. You know, that's how authority works. And he said, now when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, Truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. He's like, this man has great faith because he trusted me at my word, because he knew my authority. He knew that my authority was actually authority. And so what he's saying is, he had such great conviction of who I am more than anyone in Israel. He had great assurance in who I am more than anyone in all of Israel. He was saying he had great faith, meaning he had great trust in God and who he was and what he said. It's important for us to see this repeated and understand this. Faith is a word that gets twisted a lot. It's a very easy word to understand. It's a very easy concept, and God made it easy for us to understand because we're supposed to live by it. All right, so he commended him for having such great conviction of truth and assurance of Jesus. Let's go to Matthew 9. It's just probably the same page for you. This is talking about the woman with the issue of blood, right? It says, And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. At once the woman was made well. So this is what this is saying here. We could We could insert the meaning of that word faith. He said turning to her and seeing her he said daughter take courage your conviction of who i am your assurance and full trust in me has made you well because not because she didn't doubt what are we well we're going to go well, we're not going to go there. But we see in the Bible where it says that if we're wishy-washy, we're tossed to and fro, right, by the winds of doctrine. What does that mean? We're tossed in and out of faith and trust in God. And that's, the word says that's unstable that's unstable. So this woman, she finally, I mean, it says in the word that it was 12 years. So maybe it took her 12 years to hear about Jesus's miracles, to know who Jesus was, to finally say, I believe it. I'm convinced of it. I'm assured of who he is. I know who he is. I know his authority. I know his power. I know what he's capable of. And now finally, I know that if I can just get before him, he will take great compassion on me. He will take care of me. He will do what he said he's done. He will not, he will not be a respecter of persons. I'll go to him and he will, he will heal me. I know it. It wasn't that she was like, okay, I've, I've conjured up enough um, in my faith bank to go and spend it now on healing. It wasn't that. It was that she finally knew enough about Jesus to believe him. That's what faith is. Finally convinced, finally assured, finally has that full conviction of who he was. Amen? I hope you're seeing this here. Her conviction... Of the truth and of her relationship to God her trust and her holy fervor and assurance made her well that's what made her well all right let's go to verse 14 or chapter 14 chapter 14 Matthew 14 28 through 31 we all have the same access to God by the way we really do all right Matthew 14, 28 through 31, it says, Peter said to him, okay, so this is Peter walking on the water, right? We know this. We know this account, especially because my husband loves this account in scripture. But it says, Peter said to him, Jesus, right? Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. (laughs) That's really easy. Like, Jesus is not moved by the things he, he asks us to do. Like, he's pretty convinced that Yeah, if I said you could do it, you could do it, you know. Anyway, that's free, no charge. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. (laughs) Sorry, I just picture this like, oh, anyway, what would we have done? We probably wouldn't have even gotten out of the boat, right? Peter? We we always are like, oh, that Peter, right? What did Josh say, that stupid Peter? No, just kidding. (laughs) That Peter, you know, he... He didn't trust Jesus. Yeah, right. Would you have walked out on the water in the midst of a storm? Probably not. Maybe. I don't think I would have. I think, you know, it's like the kid jumping in the pool for the first time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think that would have been me. So I would have sunk right away, probably. So I'm I'm not coming down on Peter. But immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? He said, You're trusting me too little why aren't you assured of me you've been around me and I know I'm putting my own you know words kind of interjected but I believe this meaning can be drawn from this I really do Peter you've been you know who I am you had enough faith to ask me to call you to come I did it worked you know like it was true I was honest with you I said you could come I I knew you could walk on the water you started walking but then all of a sudden you lost your faith in me you lost your conviction of who I am. You became less assured. Your your faith faltered because the storm and the waves and, and the winds, they were bigger to you than me and my power and my authority and my word. And that's what we do all the time with the things of God. You know, God told us in his word how to live, what to do, where to be. He's led us places in life. And then we get there and we're like, I don't know, maybe this isn't God. I don't know maybe this doesn't work oh i don't know maybe i maybe i heard wrong maybe i why do you doubt you have little faith why do you did you doubt <clears throat> so, when he trusted God too little, when he started lacking confidence in him, he began to sink. And we do that in our Christian walks all the time. We lose confidence in God. Our faith starts to falter. We'll pray, God, increase my faith. No, God, I need to tap into what you've already given me. We'll get there. Well, praise the Lord. Faith is assurance, it's full conviction, fully trusting God. Faith is nothing of itself but must have God at the center focus of it. So we're going to actually go to Mark 11.22. So go ahead and go to Mark 11.22. Praise the Lord. We're actually just going to read Mark 11.22 because I don't have time to break down the whole parable of the fig tree. There's a lot in that. Some important faith messages in that. But I think Mark eleven twenty two is a real short sentence that tells us a lot of what we need to know. Hmm. Okay. Praise the Lord. It says, and Jesus answered. This was saying to his disciples after the fig tree had dried up. Right. He had cursed the fig tree, and it had dried up from its roots because, again, just like Jesus, when he said to Peter, "Come," he had spoken told him what was available, told him what was going to happen, come, you can walk to me, like, you'll be fine. And he said to the fig tree, and this dry up at the roots, there's lots of meaning behind all of that, but what I'm saying is he spoke it, he believed what he said. Jesus knew what he said would be true, but the disciples doubted him. And so Jesus answered them, saying to them, have faith in God. So what Jesus is saying, trust God, trust me, have assurance. You heard me say it. You really are doubting me? And I think it's really funny because you you kind of, like, pick, separate all these, like, incidences, and you can talk about them. I mean, we can't read the whole Bible every time we're together. So obviously we have to pick in bits and pieces and try to get the understanding um, and squeeze a little bit of the essence out of it. You know, that's all we can do when we come together. That's why you have to go home and spend time with God yourself. Yeah. And I really feel very strongly about that because that's where you really get to know him more um, is your time that you spend alone. You can you can get a lot here and you and you should. And there is something that we only get when we come together. But when you go home, to really know God, you have to try to spend you have to actually spend time with him. But anyway, what I think about this is those disciples had been with him. Like, this is the thing. The word was there. The Old Testament, like, people were preaching the scriptures. Even the Israelites, we talked about that last time I ministered here. Even the Israelites, the word was near to their mouth. They were already speaking it. The disciples had been with Jesus. Like, these people had seen who he was. They actually had firsthand knowledge of truth and who he was, but still didn't have faith in him, still doubted him. I just think that's interesting. But he said, have faith in God. So we're going to talk about what it is to have faith in God. We're going to go to the Hebrews, back to Hebrews 11.1, one, and we're actually going to read all of Hebrews 11 tonight. Yeah, we're going to get into Hebrews 11, which some call the great faith chapter. I believe that the whole Bible is the great faith book, of course, but um, there's a lot in here in Hebrews um, 11 so we're gonna go to Hebrews 11 again and I want to read the first um, couple scriptures again in the light of what we understand about faith now so if it, going forward we have to understand this faith is assurance in God faith is conviction fully believing and trusting in who he is that's what faith is so when we hear that word faith we have to equate it with fully convinced fully trusting, fully assured of who God is and what he says, okay? That's how we have to look at that word faith. All right. Otherwise, we can get messed up. All right. So, let's go back to Hebrews 11:1. Says, "Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen." For by it the men of old gained approval. So, we say, see, by faith, full assurance conviction of the coming Messiah, the men of old gained approval, all right? And they now have become witnesses to us of what living in faith and full assurance and trust in God, even if they haven't seen it yet, the Messiah, even if they haven't seen him yet, what it looks like to have the testimony of I lived in faith, even when I didn't see the outcome. You know, these men of old, they didn't, they didn't get to be here when, a lot of them didn't get to be here when Jesus walked the earth. They didn't see Jesus, you know, resurrected. They didn't see that. But they saw it with the eyes of faith. They trusted even before seeing it because they had full assurance that it was true. <clears throat> and now what the Bible says is they're a witness to us, but we're going to get there. All right, so Hebrews eleven three. 3. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. That means our faith allows us to understand and be assured that this world was created by God. Some people think, um, they, they think that by faith is saying, you know, by faith God prepared the word, the worlds. What I believe, according to scripture, it's saying is by faith we can understand. Yeah. We can see with our eyes of faith that God prepared the, word, the worlds, with, the, with his word. So that what is seen was not made of things which are visible. So there's a lot of debate about the meaning of that. I actually want to read to you um, a commentary about Hebrews 11:1 through 3 in the uh, Bible Knowledge Commentary. It says, The author set forth three fundamental considerations about faith, its basic nature, the honor associated with it, and its way of seeing things. I really like that. Faith's basic nature is trusting God the honor associated with it is wow he is God he I how could I doubt god the messiah how could i you know there's honor there's reverence associated when we come to god in faith you know we'll see this but god says that faith pleases him why does it please him because we're worshiping him by having faith we're reverencing him by having faith we're proving our honor for him by by really having faith in him um it's like if your kids have faith in you and they trust you it means something to you you know and i don't mean to just make God um, human, because he's not, but, but we can understand the concept that way, right? Um, but it says, it's basic nature, the honor associated with it, and its way of seeing things. In its essence, faith is being sure and certain about unseen hopes and realities. That this is honorable is seen in the fact that the Old Testament worthies, the ancients, were commended for it. See, it's honorable. God considers it honorable that you lived by faith. So we are, it's an honor to God. It blesses and shows him true worship when we live by faith. But he considers it honorable when you have the testimony that you lived by faith. Okay. Um, faith is also a way of viewing all experience since it is, in the, it is the way in which believers see the universe for what it is, a creation by God. Yeah. See, when I was growing up, I was raised atheist. We were told that God was not real. Christians were dumb. They were, you know, they just need something to believe in, I guess. And, um, you know, I didn't know what the world was all about. I mean, I actually really struggled with that as a kid. Like, why am I here? I think I've shared testimonies of like being a little kid and just looking around and realizing, what, all these people just... that's the end of it all like this is weird what what are we doing here you know I remember being a little kid thinking those things like I don't get this I don't understand any of this. Like this something seems off about that. Like our eyes, my my family growing up, their eyes, their view of the world had nothing to do with God. They maybe they would say mother nature's beautiful. Mother nature, wow, look at those trees. And they'd, you know, be impressed by the beauty of things around and I mean I grew up hearing things like that all the time. But um, when we, as Christians, look at the world, and we see a tree, or how about, you know, I I took the kids years ago, Mark's senior year of high school, we went on a mom and kid road trip. And uh, we stopped at this place in Richmond, Virginia, called Maymont. And there were over 200 species of trees in that park. And when we looked around and we saw that tree, we were like, wow, wow, wow. And when we look at that, we say, man, God created that. God created that and that and that. And when I look around and I see people, my my viewpoint of the world is God created all these people. Amazing! They all look different. They all sound different. Amazing! And I see it that way. But my growing up, it was like a fluke of like science. We just ended up here somehow. And like, but what I'm saying is, um, <clears throat> we we see the world for what it actually is, a creation by God. And so if we can understand that the world was made by God, why can't we understand that God is capable of everything we need being taken care of, of our answers to all of our issues? He's capable. Why can't we see that? We can look around. I would think that as Christians, you look around and think, "Wow!" And if you haven't looked around in a while because you've been too distracted by your drama, so, oh, did I say that? <laughs> I get a little bold up here. I don't know where it comes from. <laughs> the gray hair is making me a little bolder. But if you're too distracted by your life and your drama and you haven't stopped to literally smell the roses, then we're missing an important important attribute of God. When we look at creation, we can see who God really is, how how powerful he is, how, how expansive his abilities are. And it allows us to have greater faith in who he is. All right. So in simplest forms, in simplest terms, the more we get to know God, the more we trust him. We get to know God by spending time with him, through a relationship with him. That is what we do with everyone else. Oh, this is what I wrote down. We do this with everyone else. If I want to get to know you, I have a conversation with you. If I want to get to know who you are, what you like, how you live your life, all that stuff, I spend time with you. I have conversations. I communicate. I pay attention. I look around. I see what you do. You know, all those things. I'm watching you. No, just kidding. (laughs) But I get to know people that way. It's the same way we get to know God. I spend time with him. I talk to him. I listen to him. I listen first by his word, but then as I'm going about life, he reminds me of his word on the inside. He reminds me, I see my life, I see the world in parables. I don't know if that's everybody else, but I do. And maybe that's the teacher in me. I'm always seeing parables. I'm always seeing things in real life and how God relates, how, how that gives um, expression to who God is. And so all the time, God's talking to me in parables. He's talking to me through his word. He's reminding me things. I'm, I'm picking things up in my heart going, is, something, is there something to this God? And I'm asking him and I'm getting to know him that way. And as we get to know him, we trust him. It's the same way we learn to trust people. The more we are around them, the more we talk to them, the more we get to know who they are, the more we understand they're somebody of integrity, or we see their track record. All that stuff allows us to trust humans and that is the same way we learn to trust God. So the more we see the testimonies of the word, the more we see his, his way of being, his way of handling situations, his directions for things, the more we see all that, the more we learn to trust him. It's the same thing. And so it's really easy to learn to trust God. We don't have to say, God, give me more faith. That's not how we learn to have faith in God. We learn by getting to know him. That's the only way to really have faith in God is to get to know him because faith is trust and full assurance, full conviction of who he is, what he said, what he'll do. Amen? We don't learn to trust anyone or anything until we've gotten to know them. So how do we really think we'll trust God? <laughs> you know, I think about this. The reason I drove, could like get in a car and drive somewhere is I, I kind of like trust for the most part that the stoplights are going to stop people to stop for the most part. For the most part, people will stay on their side of the road for the most part. You know, if I've gotten in an airplane, I don't go, oh, no, I hope I don't crash. I hope gravity works today, right? I trust that it's going to be all right. You know, we have faith in everyday things all the time because we've gotten to know them. If you're a baker, you don't even follow recipes anymore, do you? Because she knows if I just do this, this, and this with this measurements, I know that this is going to come out the way I intended. It's really simple terms. We understand faith. When I, I heard Billy Graham say this. I actually really liked this. He said, you're all sitting in a chair tonight. Before you sat down, did you pick it up? Make sure that it was going to hold you? You didn't, because you just trusted that it would. Why don't we trust that God's going to hold us? When we're in the situation, in the midst of it, why don't we trust that God's going to hold us up? That God's going to make sure we don't crash and hit the ground? Why don't we trust God that way? We trusted the chair. So let's think about that. Well, praise the Lord. (laughs) It's not a matter of growing our faith so we can do more with it. <clears throat> it's not somehow to measure some sort of faith substance that we need to increase. It's to me- to increase our knowledge and our understanding of who he is. And as we do that, our faith grows. Our faith increases. We increase our knowledge and understanding of him. We increase our faith. And if our faith is increased, then when the trial comes, we don't worry like the birds don't worry. We don't fret like Peter fretted on the water. We just know that God is going to stand up to his word. He's going to stand by it. It's going to hold us up. Amen? All right. So what we really need to grow is our relationship with God. I have this written down. It's not how much faith you have, but who you have faith in. Not how much faith you have, but who you have faith in. So we're going to read Hebrews, the entire book of Hebrews um, 11. The entire book of Hebrews. Just kidding. Do you want to? Let's do it. No. (laughs) All right. I mean, I already spent like eight or nine hours studying out this message tonight. So if I was going to read the entire book of Hebrews, I think I need a little more time. A few months maybe. So no. Um, I said to God... Lord, I don't want to be inaccurate. I want to, as much as it's up to me, Lord, I want to present the accurate word of truth. I do not want to stand up and just preach something that I think. I mean, I, I read, I try to know what God's trying to say, and I check my spirit. Lord, am I seeing this correctly? Is this accurate? Because I don't want to stand before people and preach something that's not accurate. I'm not willing to do that to be honest that's why I don't stand up in the pulpit as often as I used to do you know that because I have to work a regular job and I have to have to do that and I'm not gonna half-heartedly stand up and give a message now in the beginning I wasn't trying to half-heartedly give messages but I knew I I became very sober of the fact that I need time to prepare (coughs) and my husband's full-time job is to be the pastor so he studies on a regular basis like hours and hours and hours and he's got the ability to do that so that's why he stands in the pulpit more if you wondered I'm not going to bring you a message that I don't know in my heart or believe and have full conviction and full faith in God to to preach it and so I want you to know I do my homework before I come up here Um, but but it takes it takes work to know the truth it's not hard to know it just takes time to get to know you know, well, praise God. All right, so Hebrews eleven four It says, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So the faith of Abel, the, the trust and ins- assurance and conviction that Abel had over Cain, remember, Abel brought the best stuff. Cain was like, I'm going to withhold because, well, the best stuff is like too good to give up to God. Abel knew God would take care of it. I'm, I'm not losing out by giving to God. A lot of Christians could use to understand that, actually. But it says that because of Abel's great trust in God, great conviction of who God was that allowed him to act in line with that great conviction of who God is, that still speaks all these thousands of years later it still speaks that testimony is still there all right keep going <clears throat> by faith Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death and he was not found because God took him up for he obtained the witness that be that before his being taken up he was pleasing to God what pleases God faith right and without faith it is impossible to please him For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So Enoch knew that who God was. He believed, had full assurance, had full faith in who God was. And so he diligently would always be after God. And what was he after? Having a relationship with him, being in his presence. He wasn't after, what can God give me? In fact, Enoch was so heavenly minded that he went, (laughs) that he left that, that, he, wasn't, he was so heavenly-minded that God actually took him up. That's amazing. I mean, some of us have to stay here because there's work to be done. <laughs> but the testimony is, is that he trusted God so much that, that it pleased God. Amen? And so his testimony and why he's a witness to us is that his faith was fully pleasing to God, that faith is what pleases God. Trust in who he is is what pleases him. All right. He, okay, let's see. He's a rewarder of those who seek him. What is that reward? Ooh, mansions. Well... Some some people can have mansions. I mean, is God God going to determine who has that? I think a lot of that is just the way we walk out our natural lives. Now, some of it not. Some people are born into riches, I mean, naturally speaking. Some people are really like like business minded and seem to be really good at investing. I mean, there's there's giftings in people. And honestly, I think about the testimony of the young the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler, the reason that that the riches weren't good is cuz he was distracted by them. How many of us would be distracted if we were millionaires I don't know I mean I think we a lot of us would trust God a lot less because we wouldn't need to anymore so I don't know there's something to be said about that but uh the reward is not necessarily tangible material rewards and actually a lot of our reward is going to be when we get to see Jesus someday that's the fullness of the reward all right is that my countdown oh my goodness we're going to get through this I know it's hard sometimes to listen for an hour to a teaching message, but I hope you're seeing some things here. Um, All right, so by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. Think about what Noah did by faith in, like, desert. He, he was like, it's going to flood, build this massive ark. <laughs> Get all these animals on there and uh, close it up. Take your family with you and the whole world is going to drown, basically, and you're going to be the only ones left. Build the ark, and then it didn't rain, and it didn't rain, and it didn't rain. I mean, I think that's amazing uh, to think about. Has anybody ever been to the ark in Kentucky if you've never been there, it's a cool place to go. Um, just to, Maybe not all the doctrine isn't specifically accurate, but the um, ark itself is pretty cool to see. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob fellow heirs of the same promise for he was looking for the city whose who has foundations whose oh i love this whose architect and builder is god think about that abraham when he he had all this you know, spoken over him. He was going to be a father of many nations. He, he had to leave and go out into the land not knowing where God was leading him. And by faith, he said, all right, I'm going. I believe in what I do not see yet. He knew, you know, that there was, there was more on the other side that he couldn't see with his eyes at that point. But he knew that if he followed God, if he trusted God, if he stayed fully assured of God, then he would walk in what God had for him to walk in. Um, Let's go to by faith, Sarah. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, there was born even of one man, Um, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. So we (laughs) taught Abraham and Sarah were obviously, naturally speaking, way too old to conceive a child, but there was a child of promise, and we know that even they got out of order in those things, right? Had a child not of promise, and of course that caused some issues and still does to this day, um, wars and things like that. But the point is that Abraham and Sarah, that Sarah, even though her, her womb was dead, she finally got in line and realized that God, if he said it, he would make it so. That if God needed it to be so, it would be so. We worry about provision. We worry about all of our needs being met. We worry that the things are, are going to be there that we need in order to, to do the things God's called us to do. <coughs> he made a dead womb alive to fulfill his plan that's harder than paying your mortgage it's like way harder than paying your mortgage you know to god you know um, nothing in his plan is impossible amen but it says here that there was born even of one man um abraham as good as dead at that that's how old he was (laughs) if i described you as you know that guy Pretty old. He was as good as dead. (laughs) That's pretty old, right? (laughs) But then his descendants, as God promised, as God spoke, were innumerable as the stars of the sky. So it all came to pass. So all these died in faith. Listen, listen to this. This is powerful. All these who we just talked about, and many others actually. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. This is talking about Israelites but as it is they desire a better country that is a heavenly one therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them by faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son it was he to whom it was said in Isaac your descendants shall be called okay now listen so if it wasn't enough that they trusted God and had Isaac, now Abraham's like comes to this place where he has to be willing to sacrifice Isaac. And and how do I sacrifice? Do you know what sacrifice was back in the Old Testament? For little years, maybe we won't talk about that, but you get what I'm saying. How am I going to sacrifice Isaac, and yet Isaac is going to produce so many descendants that they're innumerable? He could have been like, don't buy it not true not I'm not there yet to believe you so I'll just wait till I'm ready to believe you for that no he believed it God said it he knew he had to do it he went through with it he brings Isaac up there and God of course provides the Ram so he didn't have to sacrifice his son but he was willing to do so amen Amen. he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead from which he also received him back as a type. So really, that was a type and shadow of Jesus. You know, we know that the real translation, the uh, real meaning of that is. His only unique son because he had had another child, but it wasn't the unique chosen son that God intended. And really, Jesus was the chosen son. Isaac was a type and shadow of him, meaning he was symbolic, a representation of Jesus, and Abraham was a representation of God, the father, having to sacrifice his son. But Isaac or Abraham knew that even if God had him sacrifice Isaac he could see into the future he could know that the Messiah would be coming God's son the Messiah would be coming and he'd be raised up he believed God would be able to raise anybody from the dead even his own even Isaac and he was going to raise Jesus from the dead later on in the future of course and and Abraham in his head already could see that God would be able to you know he he already could see that with his eyes of faith by faith um And then, of course, it says received him back as a type. So really, Isaac not having to be sacrificed was the same as Jesus being able to come back because though it was true sacrifice, the ultimate end of it was resurrection from that sacrifice, resurrection from the dead. That's what it's saying here. All right, so where am I here? Uh, he considered God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each one of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, and we could break everything down, but I do not have time to do that. By faith, Moses, whom he was, uh, when he was born, I love this one. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. So even though Moses was supposed to not live, he was supposed to be turned over, the parents said, nope. And, and I think they weren't like, oh, he's too handsome to give over. I really believe that they realized that this, this was an important baby. I'm not, we're not sacrificing this child to you know, the evil king. But anyway, by faith Moses, oh wait, by faith Moses when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering that the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So he, by faith Moses, even though he could have just lived like this plush, wonderful life, never done anything for God just lived real dumb and happy (laughs) I know who I am but let's pretend I'm not I know what I'm supposed to do but let's pretend not how many Christians do that I know I've got a hard choice to make I know I gotta lay this down I know I have to put myself in a place of sacrifice in order to walk in what God has for me to walk in ah it's just so much easier pretending that's not true That's not what faith is. Faith is, I know I have to do this. I know it's going to make me uncomfortable. I know it's going to be harder on me. But I am so convinced, fully assured, fully convicted, and I fully trust God at his word for who he is, for what he showed me to do, that I cannot ignore that. That's what true faith is. I believe it so much that even though it's not enjoyable for a time, maybe, even though it's hard on the flesh, even though my mind doesn't want to line up with that, I trust God. I have faith in God to do it. That's what that's the testimony of Moses. Uh, where am I? Oh gosh. I have to I have to go. <laughs> All right, let's see. Considering the reproach of Christ's greater riches, yeah, the correction of Christ. The direction of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, which were vast, for he was looking to the reward. That's interesting. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Faith. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Think about that for a second. I start walking down a path. We live by the rails to trails. I just walk. Right? I don't have to look. Am I going to drown? I just walk. Easy. But if I started walking out into Lake Erie, and I started getting, you know, into the water, with an army of people trying to get to the other side, I don't think I would believe that that was going to happen. Now, of course, he had conviction of the Lord. It's i I got I've got to go. You know, we've got to go. <coughs> but think about that. As they walked, you know, some some I I don't know how accurate this is, but maybe you guys have read about it, but. Some people say that the water was like walls, it split, where it was almost like they were walking through this tunnel. I don't know the accuracy of that, but, but even the thought that you're walking through and the water doesn't suck you up, that it, it, you walk right through there as easy as dry land, that's pretty amazing. But how did they do that? With the eyes of faith, with the full assurance and conviction of what God said would be, would be. That's how they were able to do that. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. <laughs> think about that one. I'm going to go ahead and take circles around the walls of Jericho. What were they, like blowing trumpets and everything? Like, we're just going to keep walking. First time. All right. <laughs> People think we're crazy. <laughs> just keep walking. Seven times and the walls of Jericho fall down and I know archaeological evidence shows that they fell straight down That's pretty amazing But anyway, think about all of these people and how how strange to your real, your mental, you know, your mind, your natural mind, how strange these directions, these directives would have been. How strange the the plan and the walk and the steps would have seemed. But yet, with the eyes of faith and the full assurance of God, these people walked it out. And so, there's this whole chapter in the Bible dedicated to telling us faith 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 pleases god here's what faith looks like faith is the thing that pleases god this is what faith looks like this is who how they used faith and how or how they walked in faith i i want to get away from that terminology of using our faith because i really believe that faith is not a substance to be used but faith is assurance in God so walking in faith would be a better um, terminology we walk in faith and by walking in faith by living in faith by by acting in faith by speaking in faith by by going out and going forth in faith these things became testimony because they they walked out the plan of God all right by faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace and what more shall I say for time will fail me, <laughs> that's what I feel like's is happening to me. For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. These would be great things for you to go read about. For by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Think about the fiery furnace. Could you imagine being in a fire, like you're standing there and you're being cooked, like you're in a fire, but you're like, God will get us out of this. Really? You'd be like, no! Ah!" Right? You would be freaking out. I mean, hopefully we don't have to all endure that because I think a lot of us would fail. I would be the first one to fail in that. I don't even like getting burned on the stove, you know, although they didn't feel it. They didn't feel it, but the fear of it would have been something to really contend against. Um, by faith, who faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, did obtain promises, shut the mouth of the lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. Gosh, it sounds like living for Jesus is flowery bed of ease. No, we have a real enemy. There's real things that come against us walking for the Lord. So when you start to feel it, when you start to feel like you're in a fiery furnace, or when you start to feel like you're in chains, or when you start to feel like you're being mocked, or or having things come against you, you got to remember, so were the men and women of old. But they kept going with God, and they've obtained a good witness, a good testimony, that I have to glean from. That if God did it for them, I can rest assured that God... God will do it for me. So when you are tempted to be in fear or fret, don't just go find a scripture about fear. Go read about all the people God delivered. Build your faith in who he is and how he responds to people in trial. That will help you. You know, people will often reach out and say, can you give me a scripture for this? Um, and, you know, I could do that. And, and one scripture will edify you. It'll, it'll help you. But what will really build your faith in God is by really learning about him by growing by the knowledge and seeing who seeing the, the truth and how he actually has proven himself again and again and again and again and I really believe that that's more faith building than just me shooting you a, a nice you know motivational scripture yeah. but well praise the Lord all right they were stoned they were sa- they were sawn in two They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. I don't think this faith walk sounds really good. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute. Wow. Afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in the deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised while they were here, right? because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. God, God is um, so wonderful that he is long-suffering. He is patient. You know, we sometimes are like, can you just take me home, Lord? Think about all the people God still wants to reach. Think about that. Think about if he would have stopped with those Israelites, with the ones that believed in him. Nope, he extended it to us. And from us, he wants to extend it even further. And I love that. I think about that. That, that God... How amazing. It's just amazing. All right, so let's go to chapter 12. We're going to just look at the first couple of verses here. That, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us... Who's that cloud of witnesses? It's all those men and women of old. You know, some people say that it's all of our loved ones. Well, I I don't know, but I know according to Scripture, it's definitely all those men and women of old that were just talked about. But it says, Let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what we're supposed to do, eyes on Jesus. Okay. Jesus said this, Jesus did this, Jesus lived like this, Jesus showed us this, Jesus, my eyes are on Jesus, I know that it hurts here, I know that I'm going through it. I trust Jesus, I trust Jesus, I trust Jesus. It says here that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, right, of faith. Jesus is the one who allows us to have full assurance that God will bring us through. His blood covered the things that we would fall short in it covered that so we can through Jesus rest assured that even if we screw up even if we miss it not that our heart should be to go do so but even if we do he covers that he'll still perfect it we'll still get to be with our Heavenly Father and so if we keep our eyes set on on the prize so to speak which the Bible does call it a prize um, if we keep our eyes on the prize we will walk through you know the waters yeah. we'll we'll make it through the fire we'll be able to sit and not expect to, to crash down, right? God will uphold us, amen? So over and over in the Bible, you see instruction to keep gaining, growing in knowledge and growing in understanding. That's important because if we... I pray that you'd grow in all knowledge and all understanding. We see this over and over. Why? Because the more you know God, the more you understand God, the more you see him clearly, the more faith you'll have, the more you'll trust him, the more assured you'll be. And if you are assured in something, it's very easy for you to do it. It's very easy. I'm very confident when I get behind a car now, or the wheel of a car. I'm confident. I know what I, I know how to drive. I'm not worried about it. You know, my grandma... I love my grandma so much. My grandma's going to be 90 this year. She has never learned to drive a car and never learned to ride a bicycle. You know why? She was always scared. She always thought she couldn't do it. She was always, and now back in that generation, um, women were not really um, empowered to do a lot of those things. I'm not a feminist, but I do believe that women have have grown in being empowered, and I think that's a good thing in a lot of ways. But um, my grandma was not ever taught, and she's scared, so she didn't try. She was scared. You know, and so that fear, because she wasn't assured that that bike would hold her up, she wasn't assured that she could steer that car. She never learned. But see, if we learn and we have experience, that's why experience with God is good. You know, uh, when we have experience with God, we learn God, we have knowledge of God, then we will uh, trust Him more. Amen. All right, Romans 10:17, and we're going to end here. Well, wow, 15 seconds. Can I do it? Now we'll get there. I don't know about you, but to me it seemed like it went fast. You're like, oh well, I don't know. <laughs> hey, you're all smiling. Or I think you are. Let's see. Check. All right, Romans ten seventeen. It says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That scripture makes a lot more sense doesn't it? When you know that the more you get to know God, the more you have faith in Him, well then why do we need the Word? Because that's going to help us get to know God. You know, that's how we we grow in our faith. It comes from hearing and hearing by His Word. Amen? So it's not a matter of trying to grow our faith, but of growing our knowledge and understanding of Him through His Word. Amen? Amen? And that allows us to have more assurance in Him, more confidence in Him. That is faith. So we have to look at it right. So if you are taking notes, write this down. We need to look at faith right. Faith is assurance. Faith is confidence. Faith is full trust in God. Right? Faith won't buy us or get us anything, but living in the presence, assurance, and light of our Lord will allow us access to all he has for us and all he has for us to do. I'll read that again. Faith won't buy us or get us anything, But living in the presence, assurance, and light of our Lord will allow us access to all that he has for us and all that he has for us to do. Amen? And that's what faith is. It's easy. It's simple. God wanted us to understand it. He wants us to live by it. Amen?